0: Now, what a privilege it is this morning to, um, to bring a message about Easter weekend. Um, you know, I think we need to have perspective on what actually happened this weekend. You know, Jesus died on the Friday, and it's not a solemn and um, um, almost like a miserable environment because, yes, he died, but he paid a price but more importantly, he rose from the dead, and that—that that is what we celebrate this morning, is that he is no longer in the grave, but that he has made a way for us. So when he died on the cross, he paid our debts. There are no more outstanding debts for us. But when he rose from the grave, he also made so many more things available to us. So thank you, first of all, for everybody for that made it. The um, you know, Bible promises that there is a faithful remnant, and I see yeah. you guys before me this morning. <laughs> you know, we've had a... Um, uh, over this very rainy season, we've had most of our weekends. In fact, all of our weekends up until last weekend, we had no rain, not, notwithstanding all the rain that we've had up until now. So either we're not praying enough or we've there's sin in the camp, and that's why we're here today. Um, as Mark mentioned, Rob cursed... Uh, uh, Vida and Helmut are not here, and so it's a great opportunity for us just to whip you guys back in shape, just bring a bit of discipline, <laughs> because there have been some reports that there's been way too much laughter, and it shouldn't be so in so. a <laughs> church. So I wrote quite small, so I'm going to have to wear my glasses. So, so I'd like to start off with Ephesians chapter one and verse three to twelve, and I, I just, just even I was reading it yesterday. There's just so much on wealth in this particular scripture. And I think it so aptly describes exactly what Jesus did for for us on the cross, but not so much even what he has saved us out of, but what he has saved us into, because I think that is the great celebration. Um, Somebody told me that uh, the definition of mercy is not getting what you do deserve. And the definition of grace is getting what you don't deserve. And for me, Friday, The the crucifixion, where Jesus died, paid for all my sins. There is no outstanding debt for me. There's nothing that I owe because Jesus has paid it all. He's taken away all my sin and everything is laid down. And so all the punishment that I deserved, I no longer get. And for me, that's such a beautiful picture of mercy. But then three days later, death could not hold him. The stone was rolled away and he rose. And because of that resurrection power... I now have grace because now I get everything that he has because I'm in him. And so Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, and I'm, I'm reading from the message, and I just want to add in a little bit here every now and again. And verse 1 starts off with, how blessed is God? Do you guys know that God's happy? God is exceedingly happy. God is not sad. The Bible says that all the wrath For us has been turned away in Jesus. Everything has been turned away. There's no more finger pointing at us. Everything is paid, past, present, and future. And what a blessing he is, it says. He is the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. What a beautiful picture of where he takes us. He doesn't leave us where we are, but he says, Come up here and join me, seated in heavenly places. Then it says, Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He settled on us as the focus of his love. Every single person here, if it was just for you, Jesus would have come. We are so important to him that he, was, he planned these things meticulously before anything else was laid. Long, long ago, he, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. I love the the language here, lavish gift giving. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We are a free people. We are free from so many things. You know, the other day, I just, I heard a song that I heard when I was in high school. It was one of the first Christian songs that I heard. And, you know, sometimes when you hear a song, you can put yourself back in the position that you were then. And I just realized that God has been so gracious to me because he has just walked such a road with me that so many things that, that I was carrying had just been shed without me even trying sometimes, you know, that he was just able to walk me out of a place where I was. And that song just brought it um, just to so clear, almost a comparison of where I am now and where I was then. And not just barely free either. Abundantly free. That's who we are. We are abundantly free. And as Jesus came, He says He came to set us free. And it's for freedom that He came. And it's like there is nothing that should hold us. You know, not fear, not anxiety, not stress, not nothing is supposed to hold us because He has paid the ultimate price. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need. Letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. This verse, I think, is so important. And this is what I'm going to be speaking about most of the time is that he let us in on his plans. And he made plans for you and me before we were born. Those plans were set. They are like rivers running. But not just making the plans. He is also, it says here, that he's given us everything that we need. The long-range plan in everything uh, would be brought together and summed up in him. But it says here, provided for everything we could possibly need. Another version says he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So, you know, a father who, who, who tells you how to do something, but he doesn't help you to do that is not necessarily a good father. But Jesus has done this. Jesus laid the plans, but he also gave us everything to walk in those things. So I remember saying years back, I said, if God brings you to it, God will bring you through it. And we just need to trust that He is there in the moment for that breakthrough or whatever it is that we need in that moment. He said it all out before in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in Him. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. It is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. You know, we can try and find our identity in work, in wealth, in who we marry, in our children. in There are so many things that distract and try and get us to a place where we can try and get some sort of identity out of. But it's really only in Jesus that we can find out who we really are, point number one, and what we are living for. Because as we partner with him, we walk in those plans and those purposes that he has laid for us. And we have the joy of understanding What he says about me, not what my father or my mother or my teacher or, but we have the joy of understanding. And I mean, the scripture, isn't the scripture so rich in its affection towards us that he's so lovingly focused on us and that he meticulously planned these things for you and for me. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had designs on us for glorious living. That is our inheritance. We're not called to be, scra- to, to, to be eating scraps. We have been called to glorious living. The sons and daughters. When in worship, I just had a picture of, you know, if Nelson Mandela had a walk in here, we would stand and we would applaud. And I've seen even the Apple CEO and Elon Musk. And those guys have done amazing things. But Jesus, this, this weekend is almost the turning point in history, the culmination almost of mankind Because it was in this moment that everything was turned on its head. So long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eyes on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he is working out in everything and in everyone. So today we celebrate the veil that is torn. No longer is God a distant God on a mountain somewhere, or that we have to climb high enough to get to Him. But He is He is Emmanuel. Even in the Old Testament, Emmanuel had had the implication of God being with His people, like the cloud and like the pillar of fire. But now, Emmanuel has so much more meaning because now He's not just with His people, but He's actually in us, and nothing can separate us from Him. Nothing. Not even my sin can separate me from him because he is married to me. He is my, he is here. And it's because I have this privilege of walking with him that I I willingly lay down everything because he is so good. He is Emmanuel. So that's, so the cross has made a way for me to be with him and for me to be free, free, free. The cross is a finished work. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. He said, there is nothing more that needs to be done. He has given us everything. As that scripture says, he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And it is out of this well, out of this river that he wants wants us to live. And so today, I'd like to title what I'm sharing. It's taken me a long time to get there. But I'd like to share, what I'd like to call this is, where is the river? Because I think history is filled with rivers. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, for we owe his workmanship created for good works in Christ Jesus since before we were born, and this is our ultimate calling. I remember when I was um, when I was in high school, boys' school. Friday after, Friday morning, we would start uh, school off with assembly, and in assembly, we would always get together and we would we would say the Lord's prayer. And um, I wasn't, I didn't know Jesus at the time, and we would almost say this by rote. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And it was almost like, a, uh, almost like as soon as we said that prayer, it was almost like we could tick the box and it's almost like we felt more spiritual. Because I've, I've now said the Lord's Prayer. But in that verse where it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, I think this is his ultimate will and mandate and purpose for us. As his agents, because Jesus, what he's done on the cross, it is finished. But we are now mandated, not passively to just tick a box and say, we've said the Lord's Prayer. But actually, for us, like the the scripture says, the spirit and the bride say, come, come, presence yourself amongst your people. And all of creation is waiting for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God to rise up. And so it is that is our. It is almost our privilege, but also our responsibility to bring the 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 will and the kingdom of God into this earth. We are the agents that He uses. We are the agents that partner with Him. So we could ask: So, so, what do you mean by this river? Where is this river? But you know, there's always a river because if we believe that he's given us everything that we need and he's created us for these, these good works, there is always a river. You know, whether you've got a difficult situation with your, with your spouse or your boss or your staff member or your child or whatever, there is always a river because in that situation, a way has been made already. And as soon as we dip into this, this, this river... So, if I have a situation with, uh, I have to do a negotiation, you know, I can try and negotiate out of my experience, out of um, my training, out of how I read people and whatever. But ultimately, if I do that, I'm always only going to be restricted to what I can muster, to what I can do. And the, and the, the result will always be limited to what I can. But if I dig into the river, the supernatural river that was laid since the foundations of the earth... the the results are going to be so much more than I could ever have dreamt of, so much more than I could ever have mustered. And so there are a number of examples in the Bible of this river, and I want to start off with the first example is, uh, I'd like to start off with an Old Testament example so we can see how things flow through. And our God God and Jesus always had this plan right from the beginning, but how it is fulfilled and perfected in the cross. And so in Numbers chapter 20, verse 10 to 13, we have an example of where Moses... (coughs) you know, these, these Israelites were really a difficult bunch because, you know, they they always complaining they don't have enough of this, enough of this. And in this particular situation, he just had a situation where um, some rebels had risen up and they wanted to basically say, well, well, why are you so special, Moses? Why why can't anybody else do this? And so the Lord showed that Moses is the guy. and But shortly after this, the Israelites are moaning again, we don't have enough water. And they're saying to Moses, you know, Oh, not. weren't there enough graves and um, tombs in Israel for, um, Egypt for us to be buried there? Now we're out here in the wilderness and we're going to die here again. And and Moses loses his rag a little bit. He first of all goes and he, and he asks the Lord, what must I do? And the Lord says to him, I did previously tell you to strike the rock, but this time I'm asking you to speak to the rock. But Moses is quite frustrated. I mean, he's had... This really obstinate people, stiff-necked people on his back for a long time. And he's really, really upset with them. And he addresses them in Numbers chapter 20. And he he says, you rebels, now you're asking, now we have to get you water again. And in his frustration, he strikes the rock. Now, I I know that Shani and I have got this problem that we often move out of frustration, particularly when it comes to our kids. And I'm sure that none of you guys have got that experience, but we have a particular problem and we trust in the Lord for deliverance. But, you know, the thing is, Moses, he moves out of a place of frustration and he scolds the Israelites, but he also, he puts himself almost on the same level as the Lord and he says, now we have to get you water now again, you know. He's not saying now we need to trust the Lord for what he's saying. We, and it's at least him, maybe him and Aaron that he's including in that little thing. And then out of frustration, he strikes the rock and water flows. The Lord is gracious and the Lord does. But, you know, whenever we operate out of frustration and we try and find that river, it's going to be, first of all, more difficult. But second of all, it might not be everything that he wanted us to have. And so we know the story that Moses... Uh, it was not a good thing for Moses, and he was, he was, he was um, prevented from entering into the promised land. But in Ezekiel 47, it's a well-known scripture, there is this river that flows from the temple. There's this river that flows, and it blesses the nations. And as you get further away from the temple, it goes deeper and deeper and deeper. But, you know, there is no longer this Old Testament temple. You and I are the living stones. We are the ones, the rivers of living waters. If we will allow, they will flow from us and they will bless the people around us, and it will also release life all around us. So it's clear that we, that we cannot enter, we cannot access this river as perfectly as we should in frustration. In fact, it, I would suggest it's almost impossible for me to enter this river or to, dig, to, to draw from the supernatural river if I'm frustrated, angry, or um, stressed Because you know the Bible says the kingdom of God is, in Romans it says, kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace. And it's almost like these are the things that make us strong. This is our game. The enemy's game is fear and intimidation and stress and anxiety and all of those things. And I would suggest that those things would throttle our faith and our ability to dig out of this, to to draw from this river. But it is righteousness, joy, and peace. Those are the things that he came to give us. So in, in Scripture, there are many uh, there are many examples of how Scripture tells us how we need to follow the Holy Spirit, how um, we need to be more reliant on the Holy Spirit. And as a body, I think we are very good at that. Um, I wouldn't say we're very good, but we, we are after that thing. So we are after following the Holy Spirit. I don't think we can ever be perfect at it. So we're all uh, on a journey. But... The invitation is there that the Holy Spirit will open up things for us if we will just listen and we will just hear. And I found a, a wonderful scripture in Isaiah 30. And out of all the translations that I read, I found one that made sense to me, and I'll expand a little bit later. And it says, Isaiah 30, verse 20, 20 to 21. Now, it's being addressed to Israel, who is in exile, who um, they're not in a great place, but the Lord is telling them where they are and where they're going. Though the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of oppression, yet your teacher will no longer hide himself. But your eyes will constantly see your teacher. Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, the teacher will tell you. So I looked at it in the message. I looked at it uh, in the New King James and the NIV. And in all of those translations, ver- all of those translations. It actually uses teachers, plural, small t. But in the, in the Amplified, it says teacher with a capital T. And we know that one of the incredible blessings that we can enjoy subsequent to the cross is the fulfillment, the fulfillment of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And we know that the Bible says that he is our teacher, that he is our, um, he is our, um, our helper. He is the one that is with us. He's our comforter. He's all of those things. And I would like to put to you that this scripture, notwithstanding what all the other translations said, is that it's talking about the Holy Spirit. And it says, just to read again, he says, yet your teacher will no longer hide himself. Isn't it very much like that in the Old Testament where it is so much more difficult to find the Holy Spirit or to find the will of God. You've got to go to Moses. You've got to go up a mountain. You've got to go do all these things. Yet... In this new dispensation that Jesus has paid for us, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we can hear the Holy Spirit right here for ourselves. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to go through anyone else because he's, he's, not, he's not hiding. He's not in a corner. He's, it says here, but your eyes will constantly see your teacher, and in your ears he will whisper, go here or go there. The New Testament also has a a verse where it says that in that day when they come and they accuse you and they ask you for an answer, wait, and he will give you the answer. He will give you that answer in that moment. So we've also heard um, that Jesus is perfect theology. And if we look at Jesus, we will see how we are potentially able to live. And I'm fascinated at how Jesus was able to listen and to identify the river. You know, Jesus, his disciples come to him and they say to him, we need to pay taxes. Now, these are mostly fishermen and they probably have caught thousands of fish. And he says to them, "Well, just go and catch a fish and you'll find a fish with a gold coin in its mouth. He was able to dig into the river right there in that moment he wasn't overwhelmed by the fact that they didn't have the money for the taxes, but he knew where the river was. A second example was Jesus obviously prayed for many people, and they got healed um, of blindness, of, lame, uh, of being lame, of a number of ailments, um, leprosy. But one, one guy comes to him, and, and, and the Holy Spirit tells him, spit in the ground, make two little mud balls, and put them in his eyes. He'd never done this before. If we go back to the example of Moses, where previously the Lord said to him, strike, and the second time he says to him, speak, it's interesting that the Lord changed the instruction for Moses, and I I think here he changed the instruction for Jesus as well, because it wasn't the same thing, but it's almost as if the Lord is inviting us into a relationship with him, where we can't nail him down to a recipe, this is how it always is. It's actually more a situation of, okay, so we're in this situation, Lord, how what do you want me to do? And I need to keep my ears focused on you because it's out of relationship that the river flows. The river doesn't flow out of a predictable path. Because if it was so, we wouldn't need him. Because it would always be it would always be mud balls and we'd always just make little mud balls and put in people's eyes and they get healed. But it isn't like that. Another example is um where the where the where the Jesus is faced with the 5,000, and he wasn't overwhelmed. Oh, my word, where are we going to get the money? How are we going to pay for this logistics? We've got to get a bakery on board. But he knew where the river was, and that is the invitation for you and I. Getting back to the Ephesian scripture, it says that, that um, he meticulously laid these plans for us before we were born. But not just laying the plans, he's also given us everything that we need to walk in those plans. And so it was, Jesus, it was part of Jesus' plan to heal that guy, that guy with the mud balls. It was also part of the plans that were laid for him to feed the 5,000. But he knew he could not do it in himself. He needed to find the river. And this is our calling in uh, Ephesians 1, 15 to 20, just coming on a, little, a couple of verses after where I read in the beginning. It says, therefore, I also, and this is Paul writing to the Ephesians, therefore, also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know the hope of his calling. We are celebrating today that we have been taken out of a hopeless situation into a place where we have a hope of his calling on our life. That you may know the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? What are these riches that he has placed for every single one of us? And then it ends off and it says, and what is the exceedingly greatness of his power towards us who believe? I don't know about you, but that's, That, that promise just stirs me so much because I want to see the Lord break out. I want to see healings and miracles, and I'm not seeing as many as I should. But I am seeing them, but this is an invitation where the Holy Spirit's saying, Come, because you can dig and you can draw from this exceedingly great power that is available to us, towards us that Believe. And it's only when we do that that we're going to bring the will and the kingdom of God into this world. It is such a wonderful, wonderful invitation. Could we have ever dreamt of something like this before we met Jesus? Never. But now we have the ability to access unlimited power, unlimited riches to bring them and to enrich the world. So uh, I was, well, not always sometimes I, I like to make it practical because I think it 's always important to have some practical handles on how to do this and so here are a couple of pointers that that help me, and i 'm also on a journey I, I, I would love to see the Lord a lot more break out, but as we step out and as we flex this muscle and as we practice this muscle we we become better at it so for me, the first point is it 's important like that Isaiah scripture for us to know that our teacher is not hiding himself and to be aware of the teacher at all times. He is here right now in every situation. It's easy to, to, um, to be aware of the Holy spirit in a in a situation like this, where we've just had worship and the presence is tangible, but the challenge is for us to take that presence into situations where there isn't a band playing or your best friend isn't praying for you or, but to take it into the into the real wide world. And so to the extent almost that we become aware of the Holy Spirit is to the extent that we can tap into that river. Point number two stepping out. And I'm going to use two examples. One, one is not a very good example, um, but I'm hopefully going to recover from that one. So um, the second point is stepping out. We have to step out. Uh, I remember I was part of another church and we did a thing called... Um, uh, we did a thing called a treasure hunt. And what you do for a treasure hunt is you get all together, you pray, you ask the Lord for a picture, and then you go out to the restaurants. And if you see somebody with a red dress or holding an umbrella, then you, that's your person. You've got to go and speak to that person. And I got a picture of a girl with three daughters and she's uh, three sisters, and she's the, the oldest sister. And we're walking out in Rosebank, and there I see a girl that I think, I think that's it. So, she's sitting, having coffee with somebody else, and uh, I said, you might have just have two minutes of your time. I sit down, a little bit shaky, and um, I said to her, do you have three sisters and you're the elders? And he said, no. I said, okay, thanks. bye oh, well <laughs> <laughs> So, I obviously got it horribly wrong, and maybe, maybe the picture was right, maybe the person was wrong. You know, there could be a couple of things that, that didn't work out there, but... I would suggest that this is, you know, how do we, how do you learn to ride a bicycle? You learn by being willing to fall. Being willing to fall over. Because if we're not willing to risk, we can never pull the thread. We can never tune our frequencies, uh, tune our ears to the frequencies of heaven. We can never get to the place where we, where we start identifying in the circumstance, okay, this is you, Holy Spirit. This is what you are saying. So in order to just bring a bit more credibility because I am the one bringing the message this morning I need to share a better one so a couple of years ago Shani's on an Irish passport and we need to get uh, um, we need to get a, a spousal visa for her to stay in the country notwithstanding the fact that she's got three South African children with South African ID numbers and um we always used to go through a lawyer, and, uh, but our finances were, not, were such that we weren't able to go through a lawyer, so we basically got all our information together, headed on down to Home Affairs down in Joburg, CBD, which was quite an experience, and, um, and we submitted all our papers. They basically said, okay, everything is great. You need to go two weeks from now to the magistrate's court and pay your fee and then come back and, um, and we'll issue your visa. During that time, as fate would have it, they changed the laws. So we were ready and we were literally just had to pay, but we needed to wait for the day to go and pay. And then, but they changed the laws. And the whole process had to be started from the beginning, resulting in Shani being illegal. Um, and I didn't want her to be deported because my milk hadn't come in yet and I'm the father of three. So, <laughs> so, so we were in a difficult situation. And now we were battling with home affairs from the wrong side. We weren't on the right side. Now, Cheney was illegal. And for about a month and a half, we went to see commissioners. We went to go and see people. And we were just, there was this flood of intimidation, a flood of abuse. Coming at Cheney, um, intimidating. Yes, we can deport you. We can do this. Like a really, really difficult situation. And um, we we found out that, we know, we could apply on a, uh, a good cause permit, uh, a good cause uh, application. And so we put all this together. And what was the lady's name? see? Cindy. So uh, there's this lady in Home Affairs, Cindy, that we had run into before. And it was just, it was destruction, you know, when we went to go and see her. And we'd seen her once or twice before. And she was the one that said, oh, we can deport you. We can do this. and A lot of intimidation. And so we had this appointment with her, and there was quite a long queue. So we waited and waited, and we literally got in about five or ten minutes before her lunch break. And as we sat down, just the stuff just started coming at us. And in the moment, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, just pray for her. So I started saying to her, and I said, I was speaking to her, and I said to Cindy, I can see that you've had a really tough week. I can see that... Um, You, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that we are here just before your lunch break. Can I pray for you? And as I did that, uh, a switch just ticked over. And she suddenly became so friendly and she was just wanting somebody to just see that she is unhappy. And so I could pray for her in that moment. And literally 10 minutes later, everything was done. It was almost like in that moment, there was a river. There was a river that if we will hear and if we will listen, we can draw from that. Now, I could have negotiated with her. I could have gotten into an argument with her. And all of those things would have been futile or they could have produced a result. But it would have been not what the Lord wanted for us. The the second last, well, the last point that I want to make just about stepping into the river is that I mentioned it earlier. It's like the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy and peace. And that's our game. We thrive in that environment. We don't thrive in an environment of anger and anxiety and stress. And so it's always good to just keep almost like monitoring yourself. Am I playing the enemy's game or am I playing our game? Because if I play our game, I will hear his voice. If I play our game, I can access that river and, and, and I can start seeing the supernatural Manifest in the earth. So, I I was just thinking that um, we have this wonderful celebration this morning. Just in in closing, we have this wonderful celebration just of everything that Jesus has done. You know, there is, even this morning, I can share what he has shown me. But if I bring you what I think, it's not going to produce fruit. But... I think it is, it's a great opportunity for us to just, if, we, if you wouldn't mind just standing. And if we could just close our eyes and if we could just acknowledge him. Because he is the author of all of this. He has started all of this. He has taken us from a place where we had no hope. We didn't even have our hopes up. And he came and he paid for everything. And then he, laid, he, and, and then he rose from the, from the grave. And that resurrection power enables us to walk in the plans and the purposes that he has for us. The river is now flowing freely in and through us and next to us. And so, Father, we just want to come before you, Lord, as your as Your grateful, thankful, appreciative children, Lord. We, we are blessed, Lord God, above measure, Lord, above anything we could have wished or hoped for, Lord. We are in a position of... Of authority, Lord, as Mark mentioned earlier, Lord. We have we have authority, but more than that, we have you, Lord. Yeah. Lord, so many times we focus on your promises, Lord, and we hold onto those promises so dearly, Lord. But actually, it is you, Father, that enable all of those promises. It is a relationship that we have with you that brings about li- rivers in the desert, Lord. It is the relationship with you that makes us alive, Lord. And so this morning, Lord, we want So make ourselves available, Lord, to dig, Father God, to draw on you, Holy Spirit. We want to step out, Lord. We want to listen for your voice. Let, Lord, that those rivers of living water can flow and, and presence your kingdom on this earth, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we are collaborating with you and that you are Emmanuel and that you are in us. The veil is torn in two, Lord. There is no more separation, Lord, and we are beneficiaries of the commonwealth of heaven, Lord. Beneficiaries, Lord God, of everything that you've done, Lord. But we pray, Lord, that you would show us how to bring them down to earth, Lord. And so, Lord, we thank you, Father, for your presence, for your time here. We thank you for your word, Father. May you multiply your word in our hearts, Lord, as all of us are on this journey, as all of us are learning to trust you more, as all of us are learning to risk a little bit more. As all of us are learning, Father God, to just trust you in the moment. Not to have it all figured out, Lord, but to trust and lean on you, Father. We ask all of this, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for this wonderful privilege to meet as a body like this, Lord. To meet here together. We thank you, Father, that we had shelter and that we are warm in here, Father God. And that we have each other, Lord God. And so, Father, we praise you and we worship you. And we thank you for this weekend, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.